From the campus of Stanford University and on location, this is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast, featuring in-depth, one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance people, committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggle, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom DiOro, principal of Podfather Media. For our guest today, please welcome Dr. Steve G. Jones, clinical hypnotherapist. Steve has been practicing hypnotherapy since the 1980s and is the author of over 22 books on hypnotherapy. He's also a member of the National Guild of Hypnotists, American Board of Hypnotherapy, and president of the American Alliance of Hypnotists. Steve is former member of the board of directors of the Los Angeles chapter of the American Lung Association. For more information, feel free to visit stevegjones.com. Again, stevegjones.com. Steve, hello and welcome to the Entrepreneur Show. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. Steve, you and I have gone back and forth even before the show and even when our technical difficulties and uh, I'm really appreciative of your uh, your patience. But we'll, we'll take it again from the top on here is is my my belief is that the subconscious is uh, is vital. And it's only recently that I've discovered this. I, I didn't know this, you know, four, even four or five years ago. I, mean, I heard about it, but it wasn't important to me. But I really believe that uh, it's, if not a great greater percentage of uh, of how we operate in the conscious world in in fact i'm gonna step back a bit i believe it's 90 percent. is that correct well i don't know if we have an accurate measurement on that okay I do, and i imagine it would be multifactorial by the person but it's a it's a huge amount it's a large percentage it's the majority of us uh being driven by our subconscious thoughts absolutely now you said uh, we talked earlier about binary and non-binary. Can you explain um, the difference? Yes. Uh, earlier, we were talking about smoking cessation when I help people okay. stop smoking. And uh, you had mentioned that if, if you were a smoker, which you're not, but if you were and you came to me as a hypnotherapist, we talked about that scenario. And I mentioned that it's easy to measure because it's binary. You either stop smoking or you don't, unlike making more money or losing weight. Whereas we have uh, a lot of potential outcomes, we just have two potential outcomes with uh, smoking cessation. Okay. Are there any more challenging for the individual if it's binary or non-binary? I wouldn't think so per se. I've actually never thought about that, but uh, I offhand, I would not necessarily think so. Yeah. The the other, uh, I know there's a lot of myths involved, including myself to say, Probably even maybe ten or twelve years ago, it, I, I thought hypnotherapy probably. Um, I didn't think it would work, frankly. But as, it's just mm-hmm. getting older, mature, uh, reading, studying, and taking, unlearning some uh, thoughts. I, I think it's actually vital. What, what's your uh, experience or opinion on that? Hypnotherapy, absolutely, and we're we're sub subjected to it anyway, even if we don't go to a hypnotherapist with an issue, uh, we're still uh, put into hypnotic trances here and there. I mean, TV will do it. Uh, A lecture by a teacher will do it. Uh, So sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not. Oh, when you interesting when you talk about TV because I've read before that uh, TV actually can be considered a a drug or a narcotic. (laughs) Well, I 
I guess you can classify anything as anything if you want to get into the semantics, but uh, it, uh, yeah, okay. That's. <laughs> I love it. It could. We'll go with well, that. Yeah. Well, here's another the other part. Since obviously the, the entrepreneur show is. Uh, my uh, another belief I have is is that the culture, especially talking with so many guests who are founders or CEOs of their company, that every one of them has said that the culture is actually even more important or more impacting than the strategy or tactics or models that they use. And that culture is obviously behavior oriented. What's your uh, thought or insight into that? Yeah, the culture is simply the code of conduct that the company attempts to impose on the individuals to make them act in a certain way and respond in within a defined set of responses. That's the culture of any group and it's it's very important. I mean, you can have a bunch of rules, but if you have if you try to uh, implement the rules that say IBM would use in a prison, uh, it's not going to work because the culture of the prison is not going to allow for that the way that they are are trained to interact with their environment and the background that they have it just wouldn't be conducive so yeah the culture you create is uh is very important to making everything work now how about the belief system and, and I, obviously if uh, if one approaches you or reaches out to you their belief that you're going to help them helps as opposed to them not believing but have you worked with yeah, uh, can you share with your experience if you're at Liberty to do so those who are like I'm really not so sure about this uh, Steve uh, uh, but and, and then those who are like I, I know you would help me I just don't know how to do it can you share your experiences with those kind of extreme um, uh, approaches well I I do charge quite a bit of money so people who do come to me these days are not uh, in a doubting mode they're they're high achievers That'll do it uh, they want to do the next thing that and they know that it will most likely work. But uh, earlier on, I did have, uh, you know, when I had lower prices, I had people come to me who just, you know, they thought, well, this may work, this may not work, let's give it a shot. And because the price was low, the risk was low, so they figured they would. Um, really, what it, what it gets down to, Harvard and Stanford uh, got together in the late, six, uh, late uh, 50s, early 60s, somewhere around that time. And you had wonderful people like Dr. Leslie LeCrone, uh, at, at uh, Stanford and a bunch of other people uh, working on developing the hypnotic scale of what they call susceptibility. And uh, from their research, they found that everyone can be uh, rated on a, on a scale of what they call susceptibility. I prefer the word suggestibility, but uh, they created a scale for that. Harvard and Stanford both did. And it's, everyone can be rated on a scale of uh, on a numeric scale. And so you can get a number rating on how suggestible you are. So I look at it as like being similar to electrical conductivity. Every substance on the planet will conduct electricity. Some conduct it really well, like metal, some rather poorly like wood, but they all conduct electricity. If lightning strikes something, it's going to move through it no matter what it is. So it's the same thing with, with uh, hypnotic suggestibility. Everyone's suggestible. It's just some people are more suggestible, some people are less. And according to Stanford, a lot of that has to do with uh, childhood, with a lot of, with some of the experiences uh, in childhood. Not all of it, but uh, uh, an interesting amount of it. Can you share with us the, the childhood? Like, for example, you know, someone may come from something that uh, is, is traumatic, and someone 
you know, maybe not so traumatic. And, and I'll, I'll clear this up with saying I've heard a great line, and I don't know where it was said, but it said, life is a series of ambiguous ink blots. What you make of it is up to you. I agree with that. How do you get to that what you make of it is up to you, regardless of whether you feel like your childhood was traumatic or not? I mean, not that you're going to give the whole, you know, exactly what it is, but, you know, what, what's your thought or experience or what you'd like to share? Wow. I mean, for me personally, that's taken a lifetime uh, journey. I'll be 53 this year, and I just recently came to a, a more full understanding of that concept. Yeah, it's really the idea that, uh, well, again, uh, talking about that region of the world where Stanford is, uh, Warner Earhart used to run something called Earhart Seminar Training, EST, which has now morphed into Landmark Seminar Training, where they teach just that. They teach that you're responsible for all of it. You created it by your interpretation of what happened. What happened, happened, but the way you interpreted it is what's driving your life. And I, I agree with that. And I think that's a lot of the basis of what hypnotic work is all about in the therapeutic setting. You've created a reality based on things that happened to you. We all have. And it's just the way that you've processed that. Oh, this means that I'm a good person. This means that I'm a bad person. This means I'm successful if I do this. This means I'm not successful if I do that. All of that is just arbitrary programming that's been put into your head and you've interpreted it in such a way. So that's the bad news and the good news. It's the bad news because, you know, if, if you have interpreted it in a way that's not very not helping you very much, then that's unfortunate. But the good news is because you did it, you can undo it. And that's what hypnosis does, gives you that power back. Excellent. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Dr. Steve G. Jones, clinical hypnotherapist. For more information, feel free to visit stevegjones.com. Again, stevegjones.com. Steve, along the, the lines of you created it, by taking full accountability, let's say, let's say 100% accountability for every and everything that happens or doesn't happen to your life, my, my thoughts are, boy, you sure have a... You're putting yourselves, as much as that seems uh, daunting, you're actually putting yourself in a real chooser position of your own life. Absolutely. That's why it's uh, good news and bad news, uh, <laughs> that, that part also, because now everything that happens to you and the way that you process it, you realize that's you doing that. You know, you're creating that. Your experience only happens in your head. And I'm getting back into some of the landmark teachings now, but I believe that they apply to uh, hypnotherapy also because because of that, because of the responsibility being in us to make something of the data we're getting from the environment, we can change that at any time. And so when we go forward and we things don't work out, well, then we're back to that. Oh, it's me doing that. So it's a little annoying to blame yourself all the time, but we're not really talking about blame. We're talking about power here. We're talking about where it's coming from. So it can be a double-edged sword, but once you get the hang of it, it can be very helpful. Now, that ability to unlearn, you know, most of us are taught, you know, obviously here at Stanford is about learning, learning, learning. And uh, I've only recently come to believe it's not really about just learning. It's it's actually unlearning as well. What's your, uh, right. your thought? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, a lot of hypnosis is unhypnotizing us from from what we've been hypnotized with. And when you start digging into that, when you start to realize how just how much of what we are and what we think and what we have and what we aspire to has been programmed into us, it's really shocking. It's, uh, you know, almost everything. So 
it's kind of like when you rebuild a car engine, you know, how much do you want to rebuild the whole thing? Because you can, but, you know, maybe just focus on specific parts of it. And that's usually what we do in hypnosis. So it sounds like it's a go back to what you said that you have the power is that that level of personal power. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I use I use the word daunting, but it's 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 shocking to know that everyone pretty much has the capability. Or are those are there some people that you think may not be reachable? I think there are people who don't want to be reached, which is fine. I mean, I'm it's kind of like smoking. My dad died of smoking, died of emphysema. Uh, and I, at this, at the time was in California and I was in the board of directors of the, uh, Los Angeles chapter of the American lung association. And he didn't want help. He didn't want hypnosis. He didn't want to stop. In fact, even when he was in the hospital, he had my stepmom bringing him cigarettes. So not everyone wants to change and we have to respect that. And if everyone started changing in the same way, I don't really think that would work out because we need people, we need butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers. You know, it takes all, all the people to make the world go around doing their own thing. So for some people, that means being stuck in their reality. Well, for most people, that's what it means. No matter how enlightened you are, you're still stuck in your reality, whatever you've created. So imposing a, a new reality or a quote-unquote better reality on people is inappropriate, in my opinion. I think people who want to change uh, should reach out for it, and hypnosis is one way to do that. Now, speaking of reaching out to it, how else, do, uh, other than being in practice for, how many years have you been in practice, Steve? A little over 30. Okay, oh, 30 years. That's a tremendous amount of time. And how much is there, if there's, if you've ever quantified a learning uh, facet to, how much do you learn like on a year-to-year basis, or do you get it like, you know, I really have a good understanding of this, and uh, I'm just going to keep kind of refining it, or do you know, are there things like that you understand now that you okay you didn't have a clue say two years ago oh absolutely absolutely now as far as hypnosis goes it's very very basic it's it's a very simple process in fact when stanford uh, looked at it they put together the protocol of hypnotizing people getting them into the hypnotic state and that's a very short part of of their their findings when they when they published the study and asked other people to replicate it, they gave them instructions on how to hypnotize people to get them into the hypnotic state. That part is very brief because it's very simple. So hypnosis is very simple. But the lessons that I've learned in life that I've been able to incorporate into my practice are more of the uh, extra type thing, extracurricular, you might say, type information that I've been able to incorporate into that. Yeah, the other part is yeah. Obviously, your your we talked earlier about the when you had uh, your prices were lower, you'd have people like I'm not sure if this is going to work. Let's 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 give it a shot. Whereas when uh, your prices are uh, where they are now, you have people who are very fully committed, and I think obviously the commitment is my belief is commitment's everything. It, it it's more important than talent or skill or gifts. It's if you're committed to a specific outcome. I think it's important. What have you experienced in that difference between the higher price and, and the lower prices, not just in the, in the doubt area? It, it's just a completely different level. I mean, I, I charge a very high price now, so I'm, I'm working with ultra high achievers. So it's, uh, it depends on where you set your price. 
um, you know, you can start at $1 and go up from there and you'll, you'll find the clientele definitely changes. But at the higher levels, you find people who are uh, very committed. Uh, they've got a number of resources. They've got a number of experts they're working with to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And so they're going to do the homework. They're going to uh, be on board with everything. Whereas if you have a lower price, then you have uh, what I believe the used car dealers call the looky-lose. People who just come around, they don't intend to actually do anything per se. So they'll, they'll make a commitment in, in the sense that they'll pay some money and go to a session. But if it's only $100 or $200 uh, these days, that doesn't necessarily get a commitment buy-in from the individual. In other words, they're not going to lose anything substantial if it doesn't work. So they figure, what the heck, we'll see if it works. Yeah. And the, the best version of themselves, I have a quote that I think of almost weekly that comes up and it's by anonymous i don't know who who said it but it's it's a it goes like this i'd love to hear your take on it so to live by another's will is misery to a few necessary for many happiness to most i agree with that that's the way humans are programmed yeah that's like i said if you if someone does not want to be broken out of that if someone doesn't want to be freed from that someone else's will whether it's the will of a country or a company or uh you know parents or whatever it may be then you know leave them be if if they're happy with it which most people are then nothing wrong with that yeah and i go back i'll use a song um gosh um uh, Peter Gabriel, a song called In Your Eyes. I don't know if you recall it or you're I into do. it. Okay. Yep. There's a part in there that reminds me of at least my belief of why hypnotherapy is uh, is important is um, a, a word in there says, yes, I want to be that complete. Do you find that with some of your clients or a lot of them that they know they really are trying to be as complete as possible? Yes. And everyone's idea of complete is sure. different because we all have our own ideas that came to us through what we've experienced. So interestingly enough, when they look at the solution, they're looking at it from the point of view of what they think it is, which is something that they've created. So it's a little bit of a trap. There's really no way out of being a human, no matter <laughs> no matter how hard we may attempt to do that, uh, because it's all self-referential, self-referential in the long run anyway, uh, mm-hmm. by definition. So, uh, but yes, I've seen that. Yeah. How about the, the subconscious? Can you share with us the subconscious and why it's it's so influential and, uh, and powerful for people? Absolutely. Self-conscious is where we have all the interesting stuff. Uh, you guys have a, a wonderful, I, I don't know if he's still there, Sapolsky, is he still there in biology? In I'm not sure, Sapolsky. But okay. anyway, you have a, he's a rock star in the world, uh, Robert Sapolsky. Uh, he has done a lot of work on, uh, uh, well, with primates, but one of the um, lectures that he has that became uh, rather famous, at least on YouTube, is one about the triune brain, the part that does the boring housekeeping, then the part that has our emotions, then the part that's the, uh, you know, the the human part, the cortex, and then, of course, the neocortex uh, that we humans are famous for and all that advanced thinking. So, The part that we're talking about with hypnosis is the subconscious mind. And in that, you have all kinds of things. Uh, You know, we could say that the amygdala is there, you know, that controls our emotions. You know, Mm. we have we have all kinds of structures there that are responsible for memories from childhood, uh, emotions that we feel, not emotions that we want to feel, but gut 
quote unquote gut reaction emotions. When we see a person who's done something wrong to us, we have an emotion, whether we remember it consciously or not. So that's the part of the brain, that, that middle part that we're dealing with and we're uh, reprogramming during hypnosis. That's the subconscious part. And that is driving the majority of everything that we do. This is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Dr. Steve G. Jones, clinical hypnotherapist. For more information, feel free to visit stevegjones.com. Again, stevegjones.com. Steve, how about the source, you know, a spiritual or or even religious? How does hypnotherapy... uh, I'm sure I'll get some calls on this, but but uh, how does it transcend even people's belief system? Well, I, I don't attempt to do that ever. In fact, I work okay. with it. I consider that part of the code. So if they're programmed with Catholicism, for example, I know essentially what they what they believe. And so I can work within that code. I don't negate any of it. I don't say God oh. isn't real. It's just something that you've created in your head. I, I would never say anything like that. I start with the premise that that's what they believe in, whatever it may be. And I work with that. That's just a, a code, like with a computer. Uh, it's just like if you know, I was working with JavaScript or any other particular code, I can work with Christianity the same way and program them within their framework that they've taken on themselves uh, to get to where they want to be. And that's really the way you have to do it. If you attempt to violate someone's religious beliefs, then they're just going to walk out anyway. Yeah, that what's amazing is it is it sounds very much uh, like you have a high level of individuality, even right. though there is a code and there's a framework to work with. Is, is that right, or am I? Yeah, that's why that's where we get into the multifactorial aspect of it. It's yeah, it's so multifaceted because everyone's had a unique experience. Everyone's been exposed to different things. And some people have been exposed to, well, let's take Catholicism, for example. Uh, not that there's anything particular about that, but just as an example, um, some people have been exposed to a little bit of that. Some people were raised in the church. Some people were raised in Catholicism, and then they turned against it later. Uh, so you never know when we say Catholicism, that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing for everyone. It, people have a different uh, perception of it based on their individual experience. So yes, that's what adds to that variety that you're talking about and makes things uh, infinitely more interesting. Yeah. Can you share with us what what is if there is a, a, a general f- mindset of the people that appro- uh, reach out to you that they have, even though they have different reasons and different uh, um outcomes or purposes of why they reach out to you, but is there, is there a kind of a common thread that you've noticed about them? Well, these days there is. In the last 10 years, there has been because 10 years ago, I was on a show called The Millionaire Matchmaker as a millionaire and a hypnotherapist. Then I was on Bravo's Below Deck as a millionaire hypnotherapist. Then I was written up in Forbes as a millionaire hypnotherapist. So the advertising kind of got out there. This guy's a millionaire and a hypnotherapist. So for the last 10 years or so, I've been working with mostly wealthy people who want to be more wealthy. But before that, uh, it was the standard uh, hypnotherapy things, which are weight loss and stopping smoking were the two main ones. Below that would be confidence and motivation in terms of the things that people want to work on. Uh, Were there galvanizing moment or moments that you uh, 
had as a even as a child if you can look back as far back as you can recall where you're like i kind of see why i do what i do now oh yeah i had a lack of power i had a lack of control i you know my mom died when i was six my dad was an alcoholic uh things weren't too rosy in my uh in my upbringing uh in, in some ways of looking at it and i was and so in high school that's when i got the book by leslie lacrone Thank you, Stanford. Yeah. And I found that was in the early 80s. It's called The Complete Guide to Hypnosis. And it's just a little paperback book. It's written for lay people. And I started hypnotizing my roommates in military school. And I realized that I had the power to make change. Then I realized I could use it on myself. And I just continued with that. Yeah. On the evenings, I put uh, subconscious, uh, not tapes, I guess you can call them that, just to get through uh, my, my mind while I sleep. And sometimes I wake up at 2, 3 in the morning. Sometimes I wake up at, <laughs> like at, at, at uh, 6 or 7 when I normally get up. And it's still playing, but I don't recall it playing. But I have to say, it, it absolutely has made a significant positive difference. Have you experienced the same, or do you in, encourage that with uh, your clients as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I tell them to, uh, well, when I make, when I have a session with them or when they get a hypnosis audio, since I've created over 200 different hypnosis audios, uh, I, I tell them to listen to it at night as they go to bed. And I, for 21 nights in a row, 21 nights is just, uh, it's, a, it's a good average. Some people need less, some people need more, but 21 days seems to catch everyone. For some people, it's too much. For some people, it's just right. And so I, in my personal experience, have had moments during my days when I recalled specific phrases for my hypnosis audios that come back to me in that moment when I need it. For example, in my motivation audio, I say, you, you constantly look for ways to, to make your life better. And I, and I hear that phrase. I, I hear myself saying that in my head. And then I take an action that does make my life better in that moment. So I do know it works like that, that you'll recall exact things and then act on them from the hypnotic programming. That's terrific. Steve, is there anything that we may not have uh, touched on or talked about that you'd like to share with, uh, with your audience today before we uh, commence our show? Well, I would leave people with this, uh, which is a song by the musical group America. And it said, Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man that he didn't, didn't already have. And the takeaway from that, it's talking about the Wizard of Oz, of yes. course, and, and reference to the book and the movie. And the, the takeaway from that is that hi hypnosis doesn't give you anything you don't have already. You already have that amazing talent and ability and, and drive and everything. It just needs to be unlocked. And so that's what hypnosis does. It doesn't give you anything you didn't have. It just allows you to tap into that so that you can live your best life. Steve, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you, Jay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for making this possible. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Dr. Steve G. Jones, clinical hypnotherapist. Steve has been practicing hypnotherapy since the 1980s and is the author of over 22 books on hypnotherapy. He's also a member of the National Guild of Hypnotists, American Board of Hypnotherapy, and president of the American Alliance of Hypnotists. Dr. Steve Jones is a former member of the Board of Directors of the Los Angeles Chapter of the American Lung Association. For more information, feel free to visit stevegjones.com. Again, stevegjones.com. Join us again next time as we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur and super high-performance game changer committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. 
I'm Tom Dior. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dior. The Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The Chief Recording Engineer is Iris Chikopoulos, Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu.